Can we quickly open our Bibles to the book of Psalm, Psalm number 2? It's where we will declare the glory of the Lord from this morning. Psalm number 2. Remember, it's a habit we are forming. Let's do this all the time. Alright, so let's declare Psalm number 2, all of us together. One, two, let's go. Why are the nations in an opera and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand. And the rulers take counsel against the, against the Lord and against his anointed saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely make the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence. And rejoice with trembling. The son that did not become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Again I say, because you take refuge in the Lord, you are blessed. Amen. You know, we were reading the Bible in my house the other day. <laughs> we got to this refuge matter again. That was in Psalm, um, I think it's Psalm number 34, I think so. We got to that refuge matter and it struck me again. Let me quickly see that verse. Hey, where is it now? Yes, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. It just hit me again. That what God wants for us to do is to take refuge in him. That is anything you, are, you fear. Take refuge in the Lord. You know, my wife and I were discussing some family issues the other day. And one of our family members said you had to make a critical decision. And fear caught her like to the level of trembling and heart pounding. And what did she do? She got on her knees and began to pray. I told my wife, did you notice that? She didn't begin to reason. She began to pray. He said, in the Lord I have taken refuge. Why will you say to me, get a visa and run to a prosperous country? In the Lord, I have taken refuge. Why will you say, better find the rich man to marry so you will not suffer? In the Lord, I have taken refuge. You know what the Bible says? How blessed are those who take refuge in him. For all who are listening to me this morning, and who have taken refuge in the Lord, thus says the Lord, you are blessed. Amen. Thus says the Lord, you are protected. Amen. Thus says the Lord, you are defended. Amen. Let me remind you again, anytime you hear troubles, don't panic. What did I say? Don't panic. Don't panic. You hear news of, you know, hey, you just passed here just now. They shot five people. He, don't panic. You know, the normal human response is, what is this country coming to? What is this country coming to? What is this country coming to? That's a very ungodly one. That's, that's a response. What should you do? Take refuge in the Lord. I mean, just go, just eat Psalm 91 again and again 
and again and again. That's how you take refuge in God. You focus on him and carry all your burdens. Say, Lord, I know you have big shoulders. I brought extra loot for you to carry. So, you know, my shoulder is small. Can't carry anything. As some of you think you are very strong. Let them give you one year old to carry for five minutes. That's when you know that you don't have strength. You know when they say carry one bucket of water? You carry it home, you drop it. No worry. I'll just give you a baby. <laughs> strong man in the five minutes back is paining you. You are looking for her to sit down. You want to use time to hand the baby back to the mother. Hold the baby. Tell the Lord, I can't. You know, just some small things. When you carry for a long time, you realize how heavy they might be. That they can be. So what do you do? Say, Lord, you are the one that can carry and not get tired. You are the one that can solve problems. Carry this one. Do with it whatever you want to do. What is it? My troubles. After praying, go away. One of the things you will learn in this life, we'll talk about it again today, God helping us. It's hard to be careless sometimes. Yeah, there's a degree of carelessness that must be in your life. If everything in your life is planned, you don't have faith, you won't succeed. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. I will say it again, people don't realize. Some people believe that planning, <laughs> if everything in your life is well planned, and it's going as planned, you're in trouble. You know, when you know you are blessed, you have 10 stage plan. Stage 1, stage 2, stage 3. 1 worked. 2, 3, 4. And you look like this is going to work. Five, my God. Six is working. That's when you start, you should, you should get him worried. It's not that you have faith. When point number seven, everything scatters. Ha! He said, Lord, thank you. I was beginning to get concerned. You get, oh, it's nine, you know? Nine. Just step into ten like this. Number nine, everything crumbles. Please, don't feel bad. Raise your two hands and worship. Dance. And say, Lord, at least I needed to know you are God now. And there to know you are still God in my life. One of the signs of God being in your life is that your plans don't work. Is that what I said? Yes, sir. It's a sign that God is in your life. In the Lord you have taken refuge. Amen. Therefore you are blessed. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I've come to study the word of God this morning. It's not intellectual rigor. It's not our innate ability. But the spirit of understanding that God gives us. We have asked him for it as we prayed this morning and even before. And by faith we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I've been filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Take your seats. The Lord is good. Remember, God is going to do a miracle in somebody's life. Amen. Is he free? Answer me. Is he free? Yes, <laughs> Some people don't know. They, say, they think it is free. Is he free? Do we pay? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. What do we pay? Attention. Thank you. We have to pay attention. It's not free. So everybody get your checkbooks of attention ready. Start transferring attention to heaven. All right? You have your POS there. Transfer attention right now. <laughs> focus your heart. Focus your mind. Our book will soon be out. The book is titled Receive the Spirit. How to live continually by the power of God. 
All right? And one of the things I wrote inside there, which is why I'm referring to it now, is that please, when you want the word of God to bless you, one of the things you must cut off is distractions. You must. It's not, you know, people talk about, is this a sin? It's not a sin. I don't like defining life as sin or no sin, you know. That's so, it's too, it's too childlike. No, not childlike. It's too childish. It's too infantile. It's very, very, it's very early days of life. You like tell lie or not tell lie. And you want to walk with God, you go for principles of the higher walk. Let me put it that way. Does this please God? Does it edify? Does it, what's that word Paul used? All things are lawful. Is it expedient? That's the word. Is it expedient? It's not a sin for you to get up and rush down to the conveniences there. Is it a sin? Is it expedient? I'll tell the answer is no. So what if I'm pressed? I understand that. So next time, structure your life so you will not be pressed. If you have to refuse to drink water in the morning, or the last thing before you enter the hall, you go and empty your bladder. Just the sense of don't distract me. When I was in university, of course the early days as a typical young, senseless person, and there to emphasize senseless. Okay, let's use the word foolish. The preferred seat is where? Front or back? Back. That's where you could just with your friends when the class is going on. That's where you could sneak out when the lecturer is boring you. As I became older, as I spent more years in school, as I was getting to my fifth year, final year, because I, I was a student of medicine, I learned common sense. If you want to learn anything here, sit in front. In front, your friends don't gist with you. They don't distract you. You're too close to the lecturer. I learned that thing. Nobody taught me. There was no law about it. It became a little rule. A friend of mine and I, we always sat either the first or second row. The young women used to rush there. The girls are always very serious in school. Boys, God made them from the dust. It shows Well, you know, see, the only time you have to rush to get the front seat is when the class is very full. Like maybe you have 100 seats and you have 110 students. But if you have 100 seats and there are 80 students, the front seat is never full. Everybody knows where they can get a seat. So I had this friend, very good friend. We're still friends till today. I said, I see the seat now. There's this seat we used to keep for each other. You get the first front seat, first or second row, near the edge. Anytime I get to class or he gets to class, he just signals. He just looks for me or I look for him. You just pop his finger. I walk straight to first or second row. You always had my seat ready. Nobody had to teach me that though. I just realized it's the only way to get anything from this place. Those who sat at the back never learned. They didn't come to class to learn anything. They came to sign the attendance register. And Solomon said, give attention, you will gain understanding. And I've noticed, this is just by the way, because I had to teach class of young people recently. And I've noticed, if you're a teacher, please bear this in mind. Just look out for your students. You see the ones that don't, they don't do well, they don't pay you good attention. Just check it. The ones that do well, everything you do, they are seen. If you turn your head like this, reflex their own head turns to. 
They are watching you. Have you ever seen a dog trying to get something out of you? The dog will be looking at you like this. Their eyes are like human eyes. They express with their eyes also. When they want something from you, looking at you like this. After a while, he turns his head this way, as if he needs to balance well to see you properly. That's how good students behave. You see, they are paying attention. When they were teaching a class, I was explaining something, and one boy opened his locker, and I watched him for like two minutes. He kept on looking for something in his locker. Because we are streaming live, I will not tell you what I did. But those of you who know me well, you can guess. And I said, this is why you don't understand. You know, how can I be talking and talking? Then you take two minutes away, cover your head, bury it inside a box, and you claim you are looking for something. Of course, everything I'm saying, you will not get it. And the next thing I will say after that, which is supposed to be built on the first thing I said, you will miss. Then the whole hour is wasted as far as you are concerned. So I just tell teachers, if you are teaching children, forget big English and keep your eyes on them to make sure they are listening to you. Once people pay attention, they will understand. Once people pay attention, they will understand. They will. I want to start missing what you are saying. They will stop you immediately. I, excuse me, I don't get that thing. That's what attention does. And with the word of God and the spirit of God, it's the same thing. You come to church and you give an appointment to somebody. Okay, see me in church. Give it to me during the service. The Holy Spirit says you are not serious. That you can plan to leave to go and collect something. You've lost the spirit for the day. You've lost the spirit for the day. I'm not joking about it. Just, this, guy, this one is not serious. You are going to join somebody. He wants to give you money. He says, I'll be in service from 8 to 10. Just come. When you get it, tell the ushers. And you're waiting. They will not get up to quickly and collect money. You've just lost the spirit for the day. You heard the words, though. But you lost the spirit. You read that. I read in that book. When Elisha was going to receive the spirit from Elijah. Elijah, who understood principles. He said, oh boy. This is the last opportunity. I'm going to go. You have to be so full. I don't think what was happening was the see the flight as it takes off. No. Some of us are not even focused enough. I saw a preacher the other day. Okay, I was watching a preacher. <laughs> he said something that I laughed. I said, oh God, you still fall for this thing. He said, yeah, you know, um, and the chariots came and took Elijah away. I said, sir, chariot did not take Elijah Away. What the chariot of fire do? It separated Elijah and Elisha. It was the last moment of distraction, opportunity to be distracted for Elisha. The chariot of fire came, could not distract Elisha. Elisha still saw what many of us don't see till now that Elijah went up in the whirlwind. Elijah, uh, chariot went this way, Elijah went this way, and Elisha saw it. And he shouted, my father, my father. Now, the point I make is that why did God make him do all of that? With all the, God's going to check it. Went to Bethel, went to Gilgal, you know? What's the third place they went to? Jericho. And all the sons of the prophets would say, ah, this guy, you know, you are still following him. Your master is going. They will take you with him. You are still with him. They will soon carry the two of you. Give and distance. So that guy said, man, keep your peace, all right? Hold your peace. Mind your business. Thank you. That's a good word. Mind your business. And Elijah had told him, if you see me, that is, I will be taken at any moment. There will be no warning. Your job is to be focused throughout so that you don't miss it. And you don't know when the spirit will come. You can't afford to be distracted. So if Elijah's wife, Elisha's wife was going to call him that time, you know what Elisha would have done? 
put off the phone. If he says, Oga, I think I want to ease myself. He won't go away. He will ease himself while looking at Elijah, Elijah like this. Otherwise, if I say this, will surprise some people. Otherwise, he will hold it. He will so press, ten goes in a robe they wear. Not long robe. They will fall under the robe. Why? Oga, oh we have labored for all our lives. It's not time to enter breakthrough. You will now go without me noticing. Stop that breakdance. <laughs> the point is that you have to strategize not to be distracted. Spiritual things flow. If you cut the flow, you go and build up again from the base. It's the way people strategize for distraction that amazes me sometimes. So somebody meets me in church. Bring the file. I will sign it there. And while service is going on, they call you out to come and sign a document. You have missed it. Tell them, I'm not available from, maybe from 8 to 11. My phone will be off. I'm sorry you will not be able to reach me. And you sit down and look. Remember that dog thing? I'll be looking at the spirit like this. This preacher is going up and down. Keep your eyes on him. One man sent a message from Ghana once. He encountered our messages. So he sent, now it's so easy to download everything. Then it felt, I don't know how the internet in Ghana was, but it's easier for him to just send to Nigeria and have everything sent to him. He now says something that everything I've ever said that's recorded, they should please send it. He said, even if I cough, it should include the cough, <laughs> where the good laugh. <laughs> they just package everything. The truth is that you don't know at what point the spirit will enter. What am I saying again this morning? Pay attention. What did I say? Pay attention. Let's not lose what the Spirit wants to do for us. Let's not miss it. One of the things I've, you know, I, 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 God helping me, I intend to write something about it. Maybe I'll teach along that line this morning. Is that we actually, please go and read my book, We Walk by Faith, again. Please, an instruction for everybody. If you have read it before, it doesn't matter. Go and read it again. We have um, physical copies available here. You can purchase one. They are very low cost, as you know. But they are also available online. You can download those ones for free. It's the same thing. There's no difference. One is that you read it on your device, and now it's on paper. And then when you pick it, it's good. But please read it. We walk by faith. I am convinced that very few Christians walk by faith. Most of us don't take our faith seriously. We don't. And that's why the power of God is not as available as it's supposed to be in our lives. And one of the ways we don't walk by faith is that we don't pay attention to the word. Sometimes we read the Bible. I'm not saying we don't. But we know the quiet attention. We don't give it the right attention. We should. You know, I found out that we misunderstand divine commandments a lot. When you say obey the word of God, the Bible never said so. If you look at it carefully, the Bible never said so. What the Bible said is pay attention. There's no capacity in you to obey. What he said is, pay attention. Believe. Those are the two things he says you do to the word. Obedience is a sign of attention properly paid. Attention fully paid. Faith fully expressed in the word. That's what obedience is. So obedience is a sign to you that you believe the word. And a sign of faith in the word is that attention that you pay to it. You cannot make up your mind to obey something you are not convinced about. But once you have accepted the word 
and you pay attention to it, it forms itself in you. And a sign that that word is being formed in you or has been formed in you is that you obey it many times without thinking about it. So if you are finding yourself missing obedience to the word of God in any area, you've lost two things there. Or for the one thing basically, but let's break it into two for ease of explanation. You've lost faith in that word and you have not been paying attention to it. If you did, the spirit will enter into you and compel you to obey it. Hidden instruction is not to carry out the instruction. It's to pay attention to the instruction. That's the way the word of God is. If you pay attention to the word, it enters into you and creates obedience. So when I tell people, obey the word, they can't. What they need to do is believe it and pay attention to it. Fill your head with the thought of it. In the time of obedience, or the time of need, obedience will come out of you. You just obey the word. This life is hard. Yes, that's why I wrote the book. Receive the Holy Spirit. You can't walk, you can't succeed, you can't handle this life by your own energy. It's not possible. You need the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? It's the power of God that fills you like electricity. It's enablement to do that which he commanded. It's not inside you. It's inside him. He releases that spirit into you and then you carry it out. When I was much younger, I used to worry in code. It's like wonder, more like wonder. And worry about my faith in that. <laughs> if I'm the one to say he sacrificed Isaac, I will rebuke that devil. The, the spirit that wants to take what God has given me Get behind me, Satan. I will rebuke that devil. That's what I thought. How would you tell me to go and sacrifice Isaac? And you qualified it, my only son, whom I love. You know, there's a way God just rub it in. If you just say, go and sacrifice Isaac, maybe it's okay. He decided to rub it in. Your only son, whom you love. Let me add words to you. Who you waited for, for 25 years. Who has grown under your watch for the last 35 years. 60 years since I called you, go and sacrifice him. That's one. That's bad, right? Second, sacrificing as a burnt offering. You know what it means? After slaying the man, you light a fire and burn even his bones. Please, let's rebuke that devil. That's not nothing. I didn't think I could do that. Then I worried about, you tell me, don't deny Christ too. Don't deny him. Don't bow to another idol. Of course, who wants to bow to other idols? Nobody. I never wanted to bow. Not planning to bow. The part that's the difficult thing is that when you put fire in front, say if I don't bow to an idol, you put me in fire. God has to understand though. I won't bow in my heart. It's just my body that will bow. That's how I was reasoning though. Because I was wondering, why will Ananiah, Mishael, Azariah, you know, Stand, Shereja, Meshach, and Abednego. And say, no, they will not bow. The Lord, their God, is able to... Ah, Yorubama has a say. He says, the man that has not seen trouble that calls himself a man. <laughs> yeah, is Yoruba a proverb? Say, well, literally means, when war has not come to you, you say, I'm a man. That when war comes to you, <laughs> not this, I'm a man, they will leave you. Just be feeling tough. I said, look, God, which one? you know our heart. Why put us in front of fire? 
when I was in secondary school, those who taught us those days, you know, I went to, if I, I had to believe God. What I'm going to say is that when we gave our lives to Christ in secondary school, nobody preached prosperity to us. The guys preaching to us wore tattered clothes. We used to call our teacher Agrico, was it an agri teacher? Agrico wore tattered clothes. As a rule, it was a sign of spirituality that his sandals had to be torn. He didn't repair sandals. He wore them like that. Then one day he bought an identical pair, but they were new. And all of us said, thank God, though. He wore it to school one day. Next day he went back to the old one. I guess that one was not holy enough or something. He walked around carrying a Bible all the time. He didn't take care of himself at all. It was obvious or God didn't used to bathe regularly. Not joking. And he was our Bible teacher. He was the one that told us to give our lives to Christ. And we're children, you know, I'm talking about 10, 11, 12. I was in boarding house. They didn't pray, you know, these days, God can't do anything for me. Nobody told me he can do anything for me apart from that he won't send me to hell. The only thing they told us that if you don't follow him, you are going to be roasted permanently. They took us to go and watch a drama in one high institution. Where those they used to have what they call HSC, you know, like um, um, what they used to call those schools, those days. Anyway, anyway, higher this thing. Anyway, just two years after A level school here, we had this one, a College of Arts and Science. They called it then. They took us from our school to go there to go and watch Christian program and a drama. It's not going to show drama of Joseph arriving on the throne after suffering. They showed us a woman who had trouble, wife of a military man, who went to church. They prayed for her. She got healed her and solved her problems. And then she came home. Her husband came home one day. I was like, ah, uh, my wife, how are you doing? And she was ah, up and about. Ah, what's happening to you? She went to that place. I, I told you not to go. There. You know, then the man said, ah, what happened? Making long story short, he gave his life to Christ. It was under a, an oppressive regime. And then along the line, they had him arrested. And they told him to renounce his faith. I did not renounce his faith. And while we watched, they tied him to the stake. And soldiers marched. It was a drama. And they come, came down and aimed at him. And last moment, they came to him again. One more chance. Will you renounce? He said, no, I will not. And they shot him. And then he died. And the drama ended. <laughs> and they put us in the school bus. And drove us back to school. And we are supposed to believe. God couldn't even come deliver his son. No. They shot this bro. And uh, I was the next stage. No, that's the end of the drama. You have to, and that was the lesson. Be ready to die for your faith. Bros, I was kept going to church. We believed. Because <laughs> this is what you do to people. God can give you an iPhone. God can give an iPad. This is my iPad. The Lord gave it to me yesterday. If you believe today, your own is coming. So every young man and young woman comes to church. After they wait for their iPad and Tesla and new BMW for two years and God doesn't do it. He said this God is not even as powerful as they told us. Our own thing they told us is that he won't send you to hell. They didn't tell us heaven was good. We thought heaven was like, you wake up in the morning, it's your turn to praise, you sing the altar. That's all. During praise worship, you sing the altar, you sing the treble, you sing the bass. That's for eternity. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
We thought that's all. But at least, better than burning. The Lord is good. That was how we were preached to those days. And we kept on going to church. And we are still going to church. I think it produced more serious Christians generally. I think so. I think so. Because these days I see a lot of people really don't believe. Church is nice. It's entertaining. Oh, it's very social. Those days, ha, that our man. You know, <laughs> our bro, very, very interesting guy. We'll have fellowship in school. We had a classroom. We'll gather. We'll gather all of us. We'll start singing normal songs. This is the day. Of course, school desks. You know what I'm So boys have turned the school desks into what? Drums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those kind of things. They start drumming. So it starts being nice. So before you know that we are dancing. I will rejoice. Of course, you are rejoicing. And the man walks forward. Praise God. Hallelujah. You open the Bible to Corinthians where Paul said, let everything be done decently and in order. That clapping is supposed to be in order. So you want just to clap. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. God is rejoicing. I will rejoice. <laughs> will endure. <laughs> oh my God. Did you laugh? I never saw him. I think I saw him laugh only once. How can you laugh? Souls are perishing. What is funny? The Lord is good. No, that's how we went to fellowship those days as young boys. But we kept on going. We thank God for that. Later on, we learned some other parts of God. But the point I'm trying to make it all of it is that the faith, I think, was serious for most of us. Because there was nothing else to entice us, really. Nothing to look forward to, to excite your flesh, really. So the Spirit of God actually possessed us and dragged us closer. But these days, I'm seeing a lot of people who come to church because of all the other trappings we promise, which God didn't promise. But we need to attract people. And people have to give up very few things. It started little by little. Those days you give up your clothing. Now we said God doesn't look on the outside, so we overlooked that. Then, we, those days you give up music. Then we said God doesn't look on the outside. Did we say that? I don't even know. But after a while, we ignore it. People come to church. Flavor is their gospel minister, you know. They are in live with Two-Face. They love the band. And then they still church. Everything continues, you know. <laughs> Next thing, people even carry to the matter of relationships. So people have no problem coming from sugar daddy's house, coming to service. And there's nothing wrong with it, you know. Like, ah, God doesn't look... On the outside, it looks at the heart and grace. Grace covers everything. I was not saved by my works. I cannot be condemned by my works. So we began to teach a different form of grace, which God did not teach. It's not in scripture. And we thought that our faith was intact. You know, after reasoning about it, which is why I went into the whole story. I realize that a lot of people don't believe. The level of faith in the church these days is very low. Something has to be done about it. And God will do something about it. What he does, all right, is that he purges. He doesn't just teach faith. He purges unbelief. 
People will get offended, they will leave. And he's happy with that. God is not excited about large numbers the way we are excited about large numbers. He's not. He's not excited. We used to say the fastest growing church. Please, if you're a pastor, never say that. Don't even think it. There's a difference between saying something and thinking something. Many of us won't say it, but we think it. We take joy in when our church doubles in number. And you see things like, and pastors used to preach. I, I was there too. I mean, we went through that short period, which we thought was a great thing. That great multitudes follow Jesus Christ. If your ministry is authentic, great multitudes will follow you. Now, for your information, that's not true. If you like great multitudes following you, you'll be under Ezekiel. You know what Ezekiel is? What I mean? God said, all the people are following you. None of them believe you. It's the reason why we like to manipulate those who follow us. Because they really don't believe. But inside their unbelief, they are gullible. They can be manipulated. We can twist things and get and milk them. One man of God even said it like that. He wasn't trying to approve it, but the way he said it was like mockery. He said, if you are a goat, no problem. Come, we'll milk you. Like, we don't care about you. You are just there for milking. He said it. Now, he, wasn't trying, he doesn't do that, really. But he was just trying to say, look, don't come to church and be a goat. Because they are goats and they are sheep. That's way Jesus talked about them, all right? Now, if you're a pastor that you're so concerned about numbers, primarily, God can easily give you goats. So. Ah, it's very easy. Ezekiel, God told him, listen, see all these your guys who are following you. He said, listen. You are just to them an entertainer. That's what he said. He said, you are like one that plays well on an instrument and sings with a beautiful voice. That's what you are. And that's why many people, many of us, we are not careful. Once you make, listen, let me say something quickly. Read my little book, Someone is Controlling You. Please read it. It's not your decisions every day that only decides what you do that day. Somebody else is controlling something. Let me put the word. Let me use the word something. And then somebody is controlling you. If you are doing ministry, your focus should be on just two things. One, Christ formed in you as a person. Paul said, take it to yourselves. Two, Christ formed in those that are listening to you. He said, and unto the church that he has made you overseers over. You understand? Now, to feed the flock of God, that's it. So two things. One, Christ be formed in you. Two, Christ be formed in the people you are preaching to. Those two things must be your focus, which is actually one thing. Everything is Christ. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. I just cut it into two to separate between you. So personally, you are not judging your success by the size of your denomination or congregation. You are judging your success by how much Christ is formed in you. Number two, who are your real members? Who are the, the people who are committed to Christ? who their own aim also is Christ being formed in them. And what you are doing for them every day is to form Christ in them. Nothing else. You're not trying to make them rich. You're not trying to heal them. No. Those things are additions that come as the word is entering the people. But your focus is Christ must be formed in you. Now let me say something. Because preachers, please listen to me. If you're a minister, all right, listen to this. This doesn't grow church fast. It doesn't. When I see what some of us do sometimes, you wonder, like, are you normal? You see churches now, please, in case this fits your church, 
I want you to know I'm not a member of your church. I probably don't even know what you guys are doing. And you're not the only ones doing it. So I've seen it around. You see churches just, they can line up 10 entertainers. A day after another, a week after another. One brother, he wants not even in this city. What was the reason why they were doing it in their church? To keep attracting the numbers. So anybody that can draw a crowd comes. And they line it up like that maybe for like two months. No, three months at the stretch. Every Sunday, they have a prominent musician that's Christian gospel artist, they will say. Or a famous popular, let me use the word, popular minister. Who when he comes, the crowd will come. So they line it up like that. I said, why? He said, because they don't want their members to go to another church. No, they want people to come to their church and keep coming. So the only way you can get them to keep coming is entertain them. Give them something to look forward to, to entertain their flesh in a pseudo-Christian atmosphere, week in, week out. The president telling me he's not even in this city. He was one of the leaders in the church. He said, okay, that's what we're doing. It was costing them a lot of money. But they needed to do it to maintain number. Now, if you're a pastor, especially a young pastor, don't even start. Don't even start. You can't even sustain it. Now, of course, usually it's hard to sustain. Then little by little, this is how evil comes in. So you understand. It's little by little. Next time, these things are expensive. All right? They can be expensive. Let's not go into details of how they are so expensive. So those men now suddenly, they have to raise the money with which you are sponsoring this whole thing. Then you start telling lies. Raising money with truth only works when you are doing what is right. Because grace comes with it. When there's no grace, you have to look for lies. And it's a Jeroboam spirit. It's a Jeroboam spirit. You have to build idols for people so that they will not go to the real temple of God. So we start telling them funny things like the money you, as you give now, God will multiply it in six weeks for you. Then you, that preaching goes on. There are a lot of people who came to be entertained. Remember I told you they are very easy to milk. They believe you. But unfortunately, many of them, their souls be damned for that very reason. And you that preach that message, you will explain. That's what the Bible says. Ah, you will explain. Because there's no way. The Holy Spirit, look, God is very kind. He never leaves himself without witness. He will have told you, a friend will have corrected you. He will have pointed out to you that this thing you are doing is not right. And then, because obeying God always has a cost. It has. Because if you stop, that congregation you've been priding yourself in, there are 2,000, there are 5,000. Within the next one year, they will dwindle to 500. They will. They will dwindle to 400. Because the entertainment-seeking ones will leave. And usually, your competitor in entertainment delivery is coming next door. Some people... They don't even use musicians and all of that. What they use is success. Every Sunday they are teaching people how to hammer. So young boys and young girls go there because this is where you will learn how to hammer. You see the same thing. So every day there's a new key. And you are in fantastic business school. Yeah, no, people are coming there. Look, why go to Lagos Business School when you can go to church? It's free. Just give an offering. Any amount you like, it's free. Per weekend, so you won't give a dime. Let me be honest with you. Some of those things pastors preach in church, they are fantastical. I mean, business-wise. No personal development. 
life coach. You know, we use those words. Life coaching. No, no, those are words we use. Life coach, personal development, strategy, strategic thinking. We have all those words for them. Uh, eh? Talk leaders. They didn't increase. <laughs> so we keep on, we know, we do all of, and see, those things in the, in the secular world, they're expensive. If you have to pay for them. You come to church, you get them free of church. So the pastor keeps bringing them out. So many people, in trying to draw that crowd, they go that way also. Business principle. It's all the same thing. Why? We don't truly believe. We don't actually believe. The last election cycle, which is, is not done yet, we are still on it. People are still... It's after swearing we will know what God did, right? Mm-hmm. All kinds of some people. <laughs> now, let me say something to you, eh? just by the way. Because what I want to say that is a sign, everything that we demonstrated was a sign of lack of faith. You know, I wrote the book, Let Us Agree. I begged people to read the book. I found out that most did not read. I know they opened it, they glanced through, but they discarded the things that I said. It didn't agree with them. It was so painful for me. They are Christians. I thought I, it's my job. The Lord always removed upon me early. Banky instruct them for me. I wrote this thing clearly on what believers are supposed to do. No. They have to follow literally the way of the flesh. And of course, prophets were energized to come and confuse people. They saw all kinds of visions. At the end of the day, the day like Pastor Corey said, it only revealed, election didn't change us. It revealed us. It revealed us. It revealed our faithlessness. revealed our lack of trust in God revealed that we have more faith in human systems than we have in God. People start saying things like, this is not the time to, you know, we have prayed enough, you know, those kind of things. I've told you, only Satan and those who are speaking for him make that statement. Jesus never stopped praying. Till he went to the cross, he was praying. On the cross, he continued to pray. After resurrection, he resumed his eternal duty of doing what? Praying, making intercession for us. How can you tell me you are prayed enough? Which one have you prayed? When I saw the way the church was behaving, I said, These people don't believe anything. And for me, I say it again, many people don't like it, but it's the truth. For me, the worst of it was that picture we drew of a woman praying with all the prayer points on the wall in front of her, the Bible in her hands, kneeling down and praying for security, prosperity, and things like that for the nation. And in the hands of a fake Jesus, can't be my true Jesus, tapped her and handed her a voter's card. People say, I don't see it like that. You won't see it like that now. I just see it as, see it as what? Somebody is before the throne of God, making intercession. And somebody comes to interrupt her, that what you need is a voter's card. And you cannot see that Satan. And of course, it's plain to your own flesh. I told people, I, put it, I said, they will be weeping and gnashing of things, that all of you will be frustrated. As God lives, you will be frustrated. Because he has to magnify his name. He has to. He has to. You know, I had nothing against people voting. I voted. I made sure five, five you know, elections, I mean, presidential, five uh, 
whatever, five posts, yeah? Presidential, Senate, House of Rep, Governor, State House of Assembly. I voted every single one. So I have no problem with you. And I, you heard me preach it. I even encourage Christians to get into politics. I don't see anything wrong with it. I'll be glad if 10% of us here are members of one political party or the other. As long as you are not all in one party. Once you are in one party, you lost me. Once you are in different parties and you are all there, I'm happy. I'm happy. If I come and say you are running for office, I will pray for you. I will support you. I will even give you money. That's behind the scene. No? Don't go and say, Pastor Banky endorsed me. I give money because they're my friend. <laughs> one day I can just ensure, I can assure you that I won't pray for you to win. Like, like that one I will never do. I never do it. I will pray for you. But I will not say, God, please make him win. No, I will never do that one. I don't do that one. I will pray that you, nobody will shoot you and burn your vehicle. I will pray that one. I will pray that God will open doors for you where you are supposed to serve. I will pray that God will give you wisdom. I will pray that God will give you help. I will pray for you that in whatever you go through, Christ will be formed in you. I will pray for you that nobody will corrupt you when you mix with politicians. I will pray for you that your enemies will not get you. I will pray for you that the vision of God for your life will be clear. And I will say, if you are the one chosen by God for any post, nobody will be able to stop you. But that one I have to add if. I will have to add if, because I know that God made this choice before you came on the scene. Before I began to pray for you. And my loving you will not change his mind. Because there's an eternal purpose, or there is a purpose he's serving at that point in time. You may not even be the right person for that purpose. Like that old man told you, that you don't understand. Sometimes, God appoints a man in office because he can kill. You can you kill. Yeah, God said, no, I want to kill people. <laughs> you don't know there's a time to kill? Divine time. There's a time to kill. Because I want to kill people. This one cannot kill. So, you, they say, this wicked man, how can he win? Why this good man is there? God said, the good man can kill. And it's a season to kill. So, we'll be there supporting the good man. <laughs> that's, that's not, you see, you know what's going on in the country is not only killing. No. The other things that God needs to do. And some of the killing God wants to do is in righteousness. No. But just that like the good man will not agree. You say, Lord, peradventure they see chance. Help them. Help them to believe. Because do I look stupid to you? I gave this guy 20 chances by righteousness. He has exhausted the 20 chances. He said, don't worry. That's why I will not make you the man in charge. Wait. Go and cool your head. Your name is Solomon. You can't fight wars. So, <laughs> he brings David. David will fight war, fight war, fight war. And Solomon will now, will now come be building temple, be building cities, be giving lectures. You see David give lecture? <laughs> you need to be at peace, man, to give lectures. David was always dead. David's job was to plot invasions and defense, capture cities, there's only one word Solomon got involved. He didn't go himself. Go? Where? The guy was giving lectures. Vanity upon vanity. All his vanities. Have you noticed that our God is great? Of all the petals of flowers he made, none is like another. Of all the snowflakes falling from the skies, none is like another. You are writing down. Write it. 
No, David is watching from heaven. What's going on there? <laughs> God said, you are the one that fought the wars. You gave him peace. So sometimes you don't know why God wants to appoint who. It's the reason why we are praying. We can't mention names. We can't insist on anything for the Lord. Because we don't know exactly what he wants to do in that season. And who has the ability to do it. So that's why I wrote the book. Like I've been begging people, still read it. It's not too late. Let us agree. But that season exposed a lot in the church. Exposed a lot. And one thing it exposed, which is what I want to teach you again today. I want to point out to us. One thing it exposed is the fact that we don't believe the gospel. Let me tell you something about the gospel. The gospel is foolish. The gospel is very foolish. Does it make sense? Anytime you want to try and make sense of everything, you have stopped believing the gospel. Once you want to have 10 10 phases to plan your life, you have stopped believing the gospel. When you see churches campaigning, raising money on things like feed the poor, build hospitals, build institutions, raising money on all things like that, we have stopped believing the gospel. Now, now listen, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying those things cannot be done or should not be done. But they can never be our focus. They can never be, or they should never be our claim to relevance in the society. I hope you're getting my point. If we were to build institutions, listen to me, our aim should be, it would be an avenue for spreading the truth because the Bible says, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. What are disciples? Students. So it's right for churches to build institutions for the purpose, that is, denominations now, or the church, okay, let me the church, for the aim of bringing people in to hear instruction with the word of God. But listen to me, not for the primary purpose of making engineers. There are jokes you should never forward. If you forward it, God will punish you. These are the kind of jokes I'm saying. They will show somewhere in China, people are manufacturing microchips. And engineers are being built, they, they, um, taught. Now show somewhere in Africa, people are praying. Hey, you see, this is why we are not making, moving forward. If you forward that as a Christian, woe be to you. It's an insult on the gospel. You are insulting the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you don't know anything. Don't hide your ignorance. People, I've heard people say that no, you know, the gospel is not necessary for the development of a nation. You are right. We're not called to develop nations. Like Pastor, uh, like, like Dr. Fabi said in Lukav, I almost held that, never heard it before. He said the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth is not to develop the nations, but to end the world. He said, then the end shall come. You think these these nations you are building will endure? The day he said it there, I shouted, never saw it like that. He said, what's the purpose? He said, it's to end the world. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be peace to all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then the end shall come. So if you think the primary purpose of the gospel is to build the nations, you have missed the point. Let me tell you how Jesus is. See those Africans are there praying, hey, 
And the Chinese people that, uh, or whichever country, nothing against China, it's just that people used to use that. Like China is developing, we are not. And they are making all those chips. Jesus said, these ones I will take into my eternal kingdom with the Father. These ones I will end them with the world. So all these chips you are building will end in the next few years. They will burn, they will smoke. And for you that are impressed, you look at it, they are like grass. All flesh is what? Grass. The goodliness, the beauty thereof, they are like the flowers of the field. He said, the grass withers, the flower fades. Let me explain to you. Burj Khalifa will wither. Burj Al Arab will fade. The most beautiful Chinese companies and Nigerian companies, let's not look as if we are discriminating against anybody, will be born at the coming of the Lord. And for information, many of them will be destroyed in your lifetime, and Jesus won't have given come. Many times when you see wars happening, it's God making a point to his children that stop pursuing grass. Stop pursuing grass. Stop pursuing flowers. They wither. And in case you did not know, the development that's impressing you so much, I hope you know it's a gift of God. You think any human being is smart? No. God does all of those things for his purpose in each generation. And you must understand when God is doing things so many times, you know, don't give the glory to human beings. It's not, they, don't, they don't deserve it. They are tools in the hands of the Lord. These are just laborers working the purpose of God. Locate your own purpose and don't, think, don't use this word to judge who's making advancement, who's not making advancement. Better locate your own purpose that God has given you. Everybody is serving his own purpose. One day I saw how, I have the video still on my phone, on how microchips are made. Do you know? I had to, you know, I had to doff my cap like they say. Respect. I felt like, how did human beings come to this level of technology? There are some of these chips. That's why China is having problems because America has some arrangements. There are some, there are some machines that are only made in two countries in the whole world. Without which you can't make any chip. Maybe only two companies in the world. That is, you make chips in, in Taiwan, one of the biggest chip makers. They make in South Korea. They make in China, all right? They make, of course, in America. So the companies that make most of these um, chips. But the real machine they need to make, to start, I said, my God. Where I'm going is that when I saw, of course, these are, if you know what they call precision equipment, things that can cut substances into just three atoms thick. These are things we're talking about. Anyway, where I'm going is that when I, when I watch the whole thing, I said, my God, how did human beings come to this level of knowledge and understanding? You want to know the truth? It is not within man. These things are given by God. That's what I make it. It's God that breathes upon people. If you go and you know, if, if you listen to the history of how people like Albert Einstein and co, how they came up with some theories, you just know this is simple inspiration. Do you know Albert Einstein never used to enter a laboratory to do anything? Are you aware of that? Is it, uh, was he not a physicist? He was a theoretical physicist. Almost all his experiments were what they call thought experiments. He would just close his eyes and think. 
if I shoot, shoot a beam of light in this direction and the elevator is going up and this and that, then he will know from experience that that light will hit the same spot on the wall of the elevator, no matter what happens and he calculate the speed. He said that will mean that time must be dilating as the elevator is accelerated. Don't ask what it means, all right? Just... And the man will go back to his office, sit down, and start writing calculations, or equations, to explain the dilatation of time. Then finally, throw away everything we knew that people like Isaac Newton taught us for centuries and said, this is not correct. This is the inaccuracy in it. It will explain. And then the, the applied physicists will now go to the laboratory and start working. Sometimes, 50 years later, finally prove that the man was right. For a long time, they've been doing quantum, this quantum, that. Somebody finally got a Nobel Prize last year to prove that what you call the universe is not actually, they say it's not locally real. It proved, in fact, I used to laugh because I said, well, you guys keep on proving the Bible right. You keep on proving Moses right. You keep on proving Solomon right. You prove David right. I still want to make it look like reading scriptures doesn't make sense. I mean, what's wrong with you? They've never been able to prove scriptures wrong. The early days, they thought they were doing it. But as time went on, they found out that, no, now, if you, have, if you understand, that they're just proving the scriptures to be correct. Now, this is where I'm going with the, whole, with the whole talk. So when you see technology advanced, it's not human beings, though. A man will just sit down, think of some things. It's inspiration. And that was why Charles Towns, who shared the Nobel Prize for Physics in 19-something, not very sure of the date now, you, you also use laser now. Every laser is everywhere. Laser this, laser that. It's in almost every equipment you have. You know, <laughs> the man who started the work on it is one the culture stands. Won the Nobel Prize for it. Later on, he won what they call the John Templeton Prize. Years later, because of an article he wrote about his work that got him the Nobel Prize. Now, get my point. He won the Nobel Prize for a job. Then years later, in um, one university magazine, a journal, he wrote an article. The, the journal is called the Think Journal. And it was trying to explain how he came up with the idea. Do you follow me? That won him the Nobel Prize. That it came to him on when he was sitting in a park. That the thing dropped in his head like a revelation. He said, if prophets get messages from God, that's how I got my own message as a physicist. He said it was an epiphany. Something, you know, light just dawned on me. It took him two years to activate in reality that which he saw at a moment in a park. It was a revelation. Now, for writing that in that journal called Think, John Templeton gives an award, which gives you about, he gave him, Nobel Prize gives about, um, how many dollars now? Is it by a million? So he shared it, have 500,000. John Templeton gave him 1.5 million dollars. Why? For that article. I don't know what my point. That article that he wrote and explained how he came up with the idea of what they call the MESA, which later on developed into the LESA, all right? Just slight difference between them. When he explained that, the John Templeton man, what he tried to do is to encourage research into the spiritual. So anytime you do something that shows the relationship between the spiritual and the physical, you can get an award, the John Templeton Prize. Now, why I'm saying all of this is that so when you see science, don't be impressed. It's God dropping into man 
his plan for each season so that his purpose each time might be fulfilled. There are things that he prophesied in scriptures. You kill two prophets, the whole world will see it. When it was said, someone said maybe they will kill them on a very high mountain. But now we know it's not a big deal anymore. If you kill two prophets, if you kill even one, if you kill one goat, the whole world can see it. How much more? Two prophets that terrorize the whole world. Like Revelation says. So what happens is that in each generation, that which God had proposed to do, he started releasing things to make them possible. The first time I read about the Roman road, the Romans, of course, you know the sequence of um, uh, world conquest, going by the vision of um, Daniel. First, the Babylonians. Next, the Medes and the Persians. Next, the Greeks. And then, the Romans. Now, the Romans were different. Of course, each generation had something they were contributing. The Romans had a habit of building roads. And their roads exist till today. Some of them are still in use, not just tourist attraction. They are used till today. It was found out that one reason the gospel could move as much as it did was because for generations before that, Romans were building roads. So when Paul came to be preaching the gospel around from one place to the other, he didn't have to be hiking, traveling over difficult terrains. It was easy to get on the back of a, you know, a cart being driven by a horse and they ride over the roads. It was easy to trek on paved roads. What they did was they paved their roads, stones. So it was very easy for them. That's why theologians talk about the Roman road, which was the God's preparation for the dissemination of the gospel. Internet came in recent times. Alright? Just in the last, um, internet became really widespread, maybe in the last less than three decades. Okay? Twenty-something years now. Alright? Because by the time I came to Enugu, internet was still so about 25 years now, the internet really became everything, everywhere. Now, on the internet, now, just by the way, let me go over it again. These things are not being prepared for the Antichrist. Please, I need to say it. We have a church that has more respect for the Antichrist than for Christ. The Antichrist has a plan. Christ doesn't have one. Every new tech is Antichrist. That's what we see in the church, which is very unfortunate. The power belongs to God, not to the Antichrist. Internet, Antichrist. Everything, Antichrist. Cards, Antichrist. Of course, vaccines, Antichrist. And I'll say it again. If you believe that thing, you are just simply... Okay, I won't insult you. You just didn't know anything. They say when they inject your vaccine, something will not happen. And then you will not get an ID number. You saw all of that joke. Pastors were preaching it. Some things were embarrassing. You know, when, anyway, when one big man of God came out and said all these some things, he said that 5G, that were locked down so that they can deploy 5G. Can you remember? Some of us said that, did they lock us down to deploy 4G? Were you locked down to deploy 3G? Were you locked down to develop uh, to de- deploy 2G? At the Nigeria was away from 2G. No. What does it take to hang 4G or 5G? Nothing. Talking to my brother, he's a telecom engineer. I asked him, he said, basically, 
He said, it's like upgrading your computer and then changing your software. <laughs> because, no, I saw he was working. I said, so I, I tried to ask his number of questions, but he doesn't talk much. So, <laughs> he just said, no, it's not a big deal. I, I asked him, he said, no, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do some hardware changes, but basically, you change the software. No, okay, you change some things, and you change some transmitter. Basically, they just go up there, remove something. Hang, they don't even remove, they all hang another one on top, normal maintenance. So, it didn't make any sense to tell me people were being locked down because Antichrist wants to hang 5G. I'm sorry, it didn't make any sense. It made no sense. Absolutely not. And for information, I said it before, let me say it again. The world tel- um, pharmaceutical companies don't need that. They're already supplying you enough drugs you take every day. They can sneak anything into it if they wish to. They are supplying you enough drugs on a daily basis. They don't need to, to instigate an outbreak. To, to, to be able to control you. People, I even saw a pastor say that Bill Gates' son will be the Antichrist. Yes. And he did a, be- a beautiful video just to say things that made no sense spiritually. Did you see the video? You didn't see it? Apostle, don't lie. You saw it too. Uh-huh. Why is it not pretending like you didn't see it? You want them to think I'm the only one that saw it. So that the snake, only one man, so can change to a python. You know, the problem with all of those things here is that it's a reflection of the fact that we fear the Antichrist more than we fear Christ. Let me tell you something about truth. Truth is never discovered through intellectual reasoning. It's not. It's the state of the heart that decides the truth you will discover or you don't discover. That's a matter of fact. I found. See, that's why, please, let me beg you again. Learn to pray and pray about serious things. When you get on your knees, say, Lord, teach me truth. Like this election now. When you hear adults talk sometimes, you look like there's a guy I know. He knows advanced physics in an advanced way. Did you hear what I said? He knows what? Try and talk politics with him. You'll be alarmed. He made some statements. I told him that, did you just say this? He said, yes, now. He said, do you believe that? He said, yes. I don't want to tell you the, the, the thing he said now so that I don't get your brain into political mode. So I, start, I couldn't argue further. I said, truly, truth is not about the ability to reason. It's about the state of the heart. What I'm saying so is that you can't understand things except you understand some basic things in life which God gives you. For example, once he has spoken, twice I've heard this, that what? That power... There are two ways you can read it. You can say power belongs to God, which means there's no other power anywhere. Or the power belongs to God, which is saying the same thing. That the real power belongs to God. It does not belong to the Antichrist. Is the reason, I believe that's 100%. It's why I'm not scared of many things people are scared of. How can Antichrist have a plan? I'm the creator, the son himself, who by the decree of the father, he said, ask of me, I will give what? You, the nations, as your inheritance. He said, kiss the son, lest he be angry. If you don't, you will perish out of the way. How can God the Father and Christ the Son not have a plan, yet the Antichrist does? Or the plan of the Antichrist is prospering before them, and they can do nothing about it. How is that even logical to you? And then how can such a weak God have stronger children? 
don't know whether you get my point. For example, they will tell you that we need to come together and prevent Nigeria from being Islamized. Of course, our God can't do anything. Then how can we, his children, be strong enough to do it? They say, you see, what we need now in this country, you know, Turkey was a Christian country. Then they did not do this. So what we need to do so that we will not become Islamic like they have become is to put our ass together and form a political party and vote our approval. God said, so why did Turkey become Muslim? The Christians were not politically aware. You know, you know what the Spirit is saying? It's a sign you don't believe the scriptures. You don't believe in the power of God. Well, Solomon had told us, please, you need to believe it. Not Solomon, Moses. He said, how can one chase a thousand? The thousand was the Israelites, the people of God. Or choose to chase 10,000. You are talking about two enemies of Israel overcoming 10,000 of the Israelites. He said, how is that even possible? Except their rock sold them and that the Lord gave them up, their God. That is, how can Christians and Christianity be driven out of Turkey and the place becoming Islamic? There is only one reason. The rock gave them up. And if the rock gives up, who are you to stop it? He said, I asked, who can hinder it? He said, as for my outstretched arm, who can turn it back? No, that's God. So if God says this country is becoming Islamic, that's it. There is nothing you can do directly to machinate against it. It does not exist. Why? The power belongs to God. So if you don't want it to be, be a, a Turkey to become Islamic, you have to go to God who makes the decisions. And you ask him, why are we going that way? And he will say, go and read your book of Revelation. And you will see that the thing we are doing in the church right now in Nigeria Except that behind there are intercessors, we thank God. Behind there are the ten that Jesus was looking for in Sodom and Gomorrah. Except that there are many who are not prominent, who God will look at and say, these are my people, this is the salt of the land. Except for those people, you will assume that everything we are doing right now is the very thing that Jesus looked at and said, this is why I will close your churches down. If you like build a 100,000-seater capacity auditorium, it will become a football arena. It will become. Why? Read the scriptures. Let's go by it. He said a number of things. One, you have departed from your first love. I've heard different interpretations about that. But I can just add one based on the story I started with today. Those early days were taught to serve Christ for the sake of Christ. The only thing he did for us was to say we won't go to hell. So we developed a love for Christ for who he is. There was no promise of prosperity. The people that taught us the scriptures did not even have anything. Yet we followed. That was the love we had at first. Those days, one way you knew churches that were alive as opposed to what they call dead churches. And I look back now, it was not a lie. The churches were dead. Was that you went for service in a dead church? It's one and a half hours maximum, usually one hour. Yes, when I was young. But the living churches were so alive. Service starts by seven thirty-eight. You come back home at two o'clock, three o'clock, and that did not include the visitation time to the sick or one woman that just delivered. You know what was there? Bible study was eight to nine or ten. 
the church is broken into different classes. You study the scriptures, study the scriptures, study the scriptures. Your children must come. Then service started maybe around 10. With prayer. Remember Bible study was 8 to 9 or 9.30. Prayer is from 9.30 to 10. Then service now starts with clapping, singing, hymns, then testimonies. Then finally, pastor now showed up with the message for the day. Eternal gospel. He is going, yes. He is preaching until I don't even know what to until it. The man will preach and preach and the ushers walking up and down, waking all the unbelievers up. You remember? They are walking up and down. They are pinching you. Once you do that, they don't pinch you. Hear the word of God. Many times after service, you have to do one or two days of evangelism before you go home. When they finish service, when you go home, you can't sin. One, there's no time for sin. Two, there's no strength for sin. Three, there's too much grace you came back from church with. But now, rapid results. Brethren in Lagos, God bless you. Typical church service, one hour, 15 minutes. Why? We take pride in the fact that we have five services. We take pride in it. We're not even ashamed that when they were talking to one brother in, this, in their church, he leads a um, Bible study and all of that. So, when a group, he was on the connect Bible study, but, okay, let's say I was the chairman of the Bible study group. He's the CEO. So, we're having meetings, you know, this is what we'll do. So, when I finished, he laughed. He said, in his church, studies at 15 minutes. Yeah, is it 7 or 15 minutes? I can't remember. And he was laughing. He said, no, 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 that, that this one, the one where they do introduction for our own, like 15 minutes. Brother, still sitting down. You are reminding them what we did yesterday. And you are still talking about what we want to talk about. And he laughed. He said, this one, in his church, they don't finish it. I said, are you serious? Then why are you bothering? And how many of you come to join us on Fridays here when we study scriptures? Yesterday, I just questioned, we talk on money. Two hours, five to seven. All the scriptures they share, they say, return the script, we'll use it next time. That script, I'm not seeing three services for that script. Each one, two hours. Jesus said, that's why I'm going to shut all of you down. You have departed from the love for the word, for fellowship, for communion that you had at the first. That's why I'm shutting you down. You are more interested now in numbers. Even though I told you, I rather you are hot rather than lukewarm. But you are getting large numbers of lukewarm people. Did that not tell you I don't like lukewarm people? And you think Islam is your problem? It is not your problem. What else? He said you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Who calls herself a prophetess? And is teaching my servants to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. I'm putting many things, he said. Different churches. We tolerate nonsense. Little by little we start bad habits, things that Jesus said we must not do. Little by little we start them. We need money. Go up front, tell us what you want to do for the Lord. Jesus said, no, do your giving in secret. They said, no, we want to provoke one another unto love and to good works. Jesus said, that's not the way you are doing it. You're supposed to do it. This one, they have their reward already. You are going to gather people who are vain 
in their souls into the midst of you. And the kind of money you get decides the kind of work you will do. Yeah, that, that, that's true. That's true. Because money carries with it, with it the spirit. They said, no, no. So we started building churches with such monies. And God said, these are temples unto idols. They want to hear his word. He said, I will shut that down. I will shut it down. In one of these our churches, this really happened. I know people there. First hand information. One of our sisters, she was not in church that day. This was years ago. A civil servant came up and pledged for the church building. Six million naira. So she said, so somebody reported to her that but as also and so and so who works in um, a no good state, um, maybe Ministry of Environment, plus six million naira. Ah, she's like, what? Six million? That's a lot of money. Which business does it do that we are not aware of? So she took it up as a senior person, called him. Please, Brokomo. I heard about your pledge in church on Sunday. God bless you. God bless you. But please, I'm curious. Where are you getting six million naira from? Because I kind of know the work you do. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just, just help me. Put me out of my misery like they say. Just let my mind be cool. Tell me that your father left two hectares of land, you know, not too far from the city center, and you and your brethren, you have shared it. I've seen things like that. And my portion, I got um, 2,000 square meters. I'm selling it, and because of where it is, 1,000 square meters is 50 million. I just want to give like, something, a tithe and an offering. Then I'll rest. The person took offense, the, the fellow took offense, reported to the pastor that one of your elders called me to ask where I'll get money to give. The pastor got angry. Called the elder and said, they're raking. And that one said, the elder, no, these are our people. We need to know what's going on. They don't discourage people. Don't discourage people. Senior pastor said, we have to finish this work. Oh. Now I keep quiet. They did the work. Did it very well. Then one Monday morning, there was no rain. There was no breeze. Lightning struck and removed the main pillar of the building. This time was, something happened. One natural, wham, crushed the main pillar supporting the building. The guy paid the money before that. And they used it. And something happened. There was no rain. There was nothing. Just one small weather. Boom, the next thing they knew, one major pillar collapsed, supporting the whole building. Then the church gathered to pray. All the enemies that said we will not finish the work of God begin to fire them. Thunder, further. And my sister, they look like, you know, they crazy, Abby. Yeah, some of you are, you, you are really mental. Because I warned you that the way you are going about, who told you our God does not judge something just because you put his name on it? God judged it, yet they wouldn't learn. That's something I don't understand. Many times when God is judging us, we refuse to learn. I never see that kind of stubbornness before. Says the devil. The devil wants us to, you know, I heard one story once. I'll tell the story. One man went to church. He raised money. She I've told you before. Once a man comes and is beginning to wind himself, get ready to collect your money, take your Bible and leave. Say why? Say, Pastor Banky said I should leave. Let me tell you something about money. Giving of money. Any money you will give, and you'll be wondering when God will return it. It's wasted. It's useless giving. It's ungodly giving. It's a gift that God did not receive. Your turn, Nico. A 
anything, money you will give. And you'll be wondering when God will repay it. My bro, my sis, don't bother. I've told you, when they tell you, do what you have never done before. Tell them, no. Tell them, bro, please don't pressure me. Well, I can do what I've never done before, but let me go home and go and think. He said, now, if you live here now, the devil will change your mind. It's not the devil, it's common sense. <laughs> That's how we like. No, I, I watch all the time on TV now. No, don't hesitate, don't hesitate, don't hesitate. Oh, no, no, no. The devil wants to steal your blessings. It's a lie. The pastor, the man raising money, he's trying to deny you of common sense. Impulse. He wants to, he's capitalizing on your impulse. Make that phone right now. Transfer the money now. You're under, there's a grace right now. There's a grace. There's a grace right now. There's a grace right now. As you transfer that money under this grace, the open heaven is a lie. Did you hear what I said? See, we're all preachers. For information, I've been preaching for 30 years, more. So, look, I may look like a small preacher to you. For your information, I mounted the pulpit to start preaching in 1989. Go and do the maths. I don't care the title bishop, doesn't mean anything. If I ever had my way, this pastor banker, I want to withdraw it. This brother banker, I really like. Until a few years ago, I used to feel humble. One day I told myself, Banky, will you behave yourself? Who will correct these people? If people like you are still doing Unbelification. So right now, eh, I magnify my office and I tell people the truth that when you lie to people, I'll tell them you're lying to them. If you want to do seniority, bros, me and you hmm, are in the same business and I senior you. God, I'm not trying to brag. Eh? Please, Lord, please. I don't explain something to people. In the 30 something years I'm telling you about, I have never left Christ for one day. I won't tell you there was a time we went there. There was no time like that. Each year I can ask me, I will tell you what was happening in my life. Who I was studying. So when I tell you, these guys are scammers, believe me. One day I was, on, I was watching TV one day. One woman was preaching. Well, I didn't watch that portion of it. But she said she wanted to tell people about the, the secret in the seven, seven mystery. In which you give $77 and breakthrough. So, while she was trying to tell those lies, there was power failure in the studio in America. Now, if power failure happens in Enugu, it's something that happens amongst our brethren every day. It's a normal thing now. In fact, when it doesn't feel like this more, you're wondering. Is it, you know, okay, we normally praise our equipment will work well. So, you know, his prayer is working extra. The, 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 there was power failure in the studio. Something happened, equipment scattered, so it took them a while to rearrange things. I think it was something shunted somewhere. So it was when they are restored that I came into the program. And the woman said something. I said, God, how else will you correct your children? He said, Well, let's go resume. We're sorry for that. He said, You see, you see what happens usually is that um, when there's a special ministry of God, the devil tries to strike. I said, Jesus. God says, my girl, you are lying. I don't want you to go on international air with a lie. I gave you a few minutes to rethink, but you would not listen. You blame the devil. Why do we fear this devil more than we fear God? I said, it's not the devil. Woman the other day was struck with a particular disease, which affected his ability to minister. And when they asked him, eh, the devil was attacking him. 
And later when I heard the behind story, I said, sir, it was not the devil now. Can't you see that God is showing you mercy? I can't tell the story here openly. The man lies and cheats with money and with the gospel. And God said, it's enough. Take time aside and repent. You blame the devil? Those who are asking, eh, eh, talking, I'm telling you the reason why God shut them down is precisely what we are doing now. We are more concerned about building massive structures, physical churches, than building the people that attend it. So the Spirit of God says, I will have to shut them down. When Europe worshipped their cathedrals and their beautiful churches because of the prosperity that God gave them, but the people did not strengthen their faith in the God that gave them the prosperity. God said, no problem. I will give the churches over to Islam. So every week, a church, almost every week, a church is closing down the average in Europe. And Muslims are taking many of them over. They are becoming clubs. They are becoming, one is at Halloween Center, where they do horror things. And it was a church. Some people will lament. God doesn't lament. He said, I have never respected earthly structures. Shebiyos is not even a temple. The one in Jerusalem, which was a real temple, where I put my presence, I warned them. That if they disobey, disobey me, I'll break it down. So every time they disobeyed God, you know what he went for? That temple. He broke it down. That temple was their pride. So God said, okay, I go for that temple. Break it down for me. And he always sent men who knew how to break it. After Jesus came and left, he had no use for that temple anymore. He sent the Romans. I told you, God, they choose leader according to what he won't do. He sent the Romans. He said, don't worry, they were anointing the Romans. Around 70 AD, they did. He said, now break it down to fulfill the word that I gave, that one stone will not be left standing upon another. And exactly what they did. You've heard of the Willing Wall? Yes. The, that temple in Jerusalem, that remnant. It's not the temple, it's the foundation. Oh, that thing you see is the foundation. The temple itself, Jesus said, one stone was not left on top of another. What you are seeing there is a segment of the foundation of the temple. And people still go there to pray. And this is the funny part of it. Jews who go there to pray, I can understand. Because if you hear someone like Ben Shapiro, he's a Jew, devout Jew, talk about Jesus Christ, you will understand that they don't have any belief in him. They believe was a, a, a carpenter, a charlatan, who came to deceive the people. They believe, they hold on to that today. So their hope is still in the restoration of that temple and restoration of the kingdom to Jerusalem. That's how they do everything they have to do. What I don't understand is Christians who magnify it. You see Christians once you preach, they show the day. You see Jews doing like this, praying at the temple mount and sticking prayers into the cracks in the foundation. And they will magnify it instead of us pitying them. And they will bring up Jewish traditions. You bring up a shofar. Pastors come to preach wearing, what do you call that thing? Is it SB? Not SB. No, the proper word. You don't, you they have a Jewish word for it. That prayer show, it has a Jewish word. They come, some of them dress like, you'll be looking at them like this. Let me tell you something. And I'll say that to Nigerians also. 
you are not allowed to build what God is destroying. You are forbidden from attempting to rebuild that which God is putting an end to. Listen, in Nigeria, I'll give you a practical one of it. The division amongst tribes, God is trying to end it. If as a preacher you go against him, he will end your ministry. I want pastors, don't do it. Anything you suspect, anything you think that God is trying to end, never try to build it. What God is doing amongst mankind is building all men into one, into one body. But that is in Christ Jesus. You should not for any reason try to amplify or sustain any division apart from that is of mankind. But you must work for the building up of one body. Be careful. The church brings itself under judgment regularly, trying to build that which God is destroying. When I see our preachers gather together and celebrate Judaism, I say, you are bringing a curse upon your ministry. Please, I chose my words carefully. I know it's not popular. In case you do not know, Americans are not the special people of God that know more scripture than the rest of us. My lights may not be expensive. I may not have professionals on our cameras. It has nothing to do with the words I'm speaking. Because some of us want to sit down and watch TBN and they give you the most expensive studio in the world. You think they must know what they are saying. You want to hear the truth? Most of the time they're just talking nonsense. I'm sorry. I see people talking. I say, what is all of this? I say. Some are actually raising money to build a temple, a temple in Jerusalem that Jesus will return to. And I ask them, say, is your head correct? God is now living in a temple made with human hands. He forgot what he started with. Don't people read the Bible? We are being built up as, as what? Living stones. As the house of God. This is the temple he's building, you and me. Somebody is raising money. One day one man said, they have finally discovered one of the ointments. <laughs> hey, God, please, have mercy. That they've discovered the missing ingredient in the anointing oil that Moses was commanded to formulate. So they finally have the mix of oil to anoint the king when he returns. I say, which king? When he returns, he melts you and your oil. And the crucible in which you kept it. Can't we detach ourselves from these earthly things? Why did God shut down the churches in Turkey? These are the things I'm talking about. Things that he's destroying, they tried to rebuild. Then they held on to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. All kinds of immorality in the midst of them. If you hear what some of our so-called pastors do, you will know that we have to become Islamic so that we can just have sense. You hear the Church of England having a deliberation on whether they can conduct homosexual weddings. Now, I'm not saying whether they've approved it or not. I know many people have approved it. In America, they have all kinds. David Paulson told the story of a whole Baptist, other Baptist of Methodist Church in the United States. They came for service, had a meeting, removed the name church from there, put the name mosque there. The same members all converted to Islam of a whole church. Of course, the people must have left. But the leadership and most of the membership of a church converted to Islam. What is the reason? Just one reason. They said the Muslims look like they have direction, that the church doesn't. Have you ever heard Muslims discussing whether they should ordain 
homosexual clerics or not? Have you ever, no, see, have you ever had a discussion? I'm not saying whether they do it all. Did they even discuss it? Our own is, should we or they? You know, the Catholic Church used to be a very strong church when it comes to conservative principles. Under this current Pope, one of my colleagues, the devout Catholic, said he doesn't go to church, he goes, that man is not normal. He said he doesn't go to church again because of the current Pope. But maybe when the man dies, he starts going to church. A, a Catholic. He said the kind of discussions the man entertains, he doesn't understand. If you, if you, if you, are, if you are a homosexual and you want to serve God, who am I to judge? He said that. Now here the Catholic Church saying things like, eh, you can be a homosexual but you can't practice. That you can be homosexual as long as you are celibate. You know, you know when God has departed from people and they have gone mad. The kind of statements they make. There are discussions that we have. Muslims don't have them. Now, you know one of the reasons, now please, this is just under the sun, above the sun, there are other things. Under the sun, one of the reasons why Muslims hate Christians, hmm? one of the reasons, I'm not, like I said, just one of the reasons, under the sun, is that they equate every American habit to Christianity. So anything Americans do, they say Christians are doing it. In case you do not know, one of the reasons there is war in Ukraine, I'm not saying it's the only reason. Please, you, you may know what politics, you can disagree with me, argue with me, but I can assure this to be true, okay? One of the reasons there's war in Ukraine is because of the church. Vladimir Putin said, this rubbish you guys are doing in America won't come here. The man says no. He's been warning people, all this while, you guys take it easy. You know, there was a time Russia wanted to join NATO. Years before. Then when Barack Obama's tenure came, they began all this. They, they, they are doing it in Nigeria too, in case you do not know. All right? They are also trying it in Nigeria. Try to push into our society this talk on them, um, you know, this gender madness, uh, you know, this LGBT agenda. You know, they, they, are, they are trying to push it in, you know, what they call a reproductive right, which is nothing but kill babies, kill babies, kill babies. You understand? They try to push it in. So when they try to push it into America, <laughs> into Russia, Putin said, no, you guys take it easy. Is, is this so cool? What they call that? Where they did that uh, Olympics that time? Sochi. It was part of the quarrel. Finally, the guy had to put rules against what he calls operating as foreign agents just for taking aid, aid money to preach this nonsense in Russia. He started making laws about it. Then at the point in time, the Russian um, Orthodox Church and the Ukrainian one was one church. They were one church. So one bishop or actually ruled over all of them from Ukraine all the way to Russia. A few years ago, they broke. The Russians didn't like that. Now, it is surprised many people that a lot of what you have seen is a religious war. Ah, Putin said, what's wrong with these people? Next thing, I want to educate my children that they can be homosexuals and I won't get ghost to walk, come back and say, I'm a man and it's okay. He began to fight that. And when he saw that Ukraine, like I say, they don't make a form. Now a rain bomb on them. <laughs> I'm telling you something. The church has to be careful. You see discussions that so-called church is having. Muslims don't have them. Should we ordain homosexual clerics? Now, I'm not, some people, you know, some people come and say, eh, they are doing it behind the back. We're not talking about they're doing it behind the back. We're talking about they make a law. They don't have those discussions, number one. Number two, these your so-called activists don't go near there. 
these your so-called activists don't go near them. It is we they come and come and protest in front of our church. And then they do that because we know we are malleable. We can change our mind. And Jesus says it's called lukewarm. I am going to shut all of you down. That's what's going on. So if you want to know why God gave Turkey over, that's what I'm explaining to you. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans, tolerating that woman Jezebel. One fake prophet arose in Lagos, and pastors were following him. In fact, I started using it to know who's fake and who's not fake. Familiar spirits entered the church, and you know the truth? Genuine pastors were inviting people they knew were fake simply because they had money. They could raise money. There's one fake guy in Enugu here. You know him. He's our number one fake false prophet in Enugu. Yeah, you know him. He has two names. I'm like... Something sounds like uh, Solomon's relative. The other one's like Elisha's protege. You know, uh, sorry, oh, father. Something like you know, you know the guy. So he said that he knows the man is fake. That this young one in Enugu is a fake pastor. Listen to what I want to say. He actually said this. He said that the guy calls him daddy. So when he comes to town, that guy will say, daddy, daddy. He said the guy is fake. That the guy is, he talks, he said, he said, but if he brings money, shall I will take it? Yeah. He said, if he brings money, shall I will take it too. See what I said? Shamelessly. He said, this guy is a first false prophet. I know. I know he uses familiar spirits. But shamelessly, he said, but if he brings money, shall I will collect. That's how spirits enter. That's how spirits enter. Jesus said, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. This is what our pastors are tolerating. I've seen them do it before. They know somebody is fake. They bring him in to come and raise money. The guy uses family aspirin. don't care. But usually when he leaves, when they needed 10 million, they got 30. So he keeps coming and coming. And listen to me, saints of God and ministers thereof. Every such church, every such ministry, the Lord will close down. Yeah. Build the biggest church, he will turn you to a cinema. It is you to pay, doesn't pay him. For him, it's entertaining. You tell the angel, let's go and watch film. Where in our former church. It doesn't worry him at all. See all this excitement, we're excited over nonsense in this country. One by one, God will close in the different ways, but everything is going down. Because if it doesn't, he cannot reestablish purity in the church. It can't. That, people of God, is the reason why God gives people over. And listen to me. The Antichrist cannot come until there's an apostasy. The Bible calls a great falling away. I began all of this trying to say something. That you see, we are often more afraid of the Antichrist than we are of Christ. I know where I was. So technology comes, which is a gift of God. We ascribe it to the Antichrist. Everything is the Antichrist. Meanwhile, Christ has his plan. He's in scriptures like that. For example, he spoke through Joel. He said, it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, on all mankind. 
Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, I'm going to stop reading there. I just want to explain something. This is a prophetic word. Truffles. Good. The last day, that's the day of Pentecost. Now, when we talk about last days, people make this mistake in thinking that we are in the last days as if 2023 is the last days. From scripture, last days began after Jesus rose up. So he said, these are the last days. Paul prophesied when he was telling Timothy, Peleus time shall come. He wasn't prophesying of what will happen later. He was telling Timothy that what has been prophesied is what he has seen. I don't know whether I get my point. That Timothy, you are living in perilous times. You are seeing men who love themselves, they don't love God. They love money. Timothy, you have to warn your congregation that they are living in perilous times. Why? They live in the last days. So please don't think that 2023 is when problems will start. It started as soon as Jesus rose up and went over to heaven. I hope you're getting my point. Okay. Now, so, Peter quoted this when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. Now, when he quoted it, he was referring to an aspect, because one thing you'll find in scripture, fulfillment of words can be multiple. You'll hear something fulfilled almost literally. Out of Egypt, I will call my son. Or I have called my son. And when the prophet said it, they assumed that he was talking about the fact that Israel was taken out of Egypt from bondage back into the promised land. But then when the angel said, Arise, take the son and the mother, flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. Then one day now said, Come back. Those who are seeking him, it's like they are dead. To fulfill the scripture that said, Out of Egypt, I have called my son. That's one thing about scripture and prophetic fulfillment. So when you see one side, it may not be everything. Watch out. What, what, why am I saying this? That day it came about. See, no matter how much tongues you speak, if the word of God in your understanding is not in your mouth, so that people who hear you will hear the word of God directly, you are not yet fully full with the Spirit. One of the things I explained inside that book, Receive the Holy Spirit, is that we have focused so much on speaking in tongues, that speaking in our own language, where we can be most useful to people according to scripture. We can't do it. Someone tell you, let us start praying. Today we want to begin to pray for Nigeria. Let us pray that. Pastor speaks in tongues. The one on the left speaking in tongues. The one on the right speaking in tongues. The one on the left speaking in tongues. Everybody speaking in tongues. The congregation is not edified. They don't even know how to pray for the country. So a young convert comes to church. He does not know how to pray for Nigeria. He's been going to that church for a year. All they do is... So what I would do? We're praying for Nigeria. What makes it amazing for me is that they feel very spiritual doing it. When they finish sweating, they are leaving the church. How was the service? They can't... And they feel very spiritual... Practicing nonsense. The Bible says, how can the unlearned be edified? You come to church, let us pray for Nigeria. As long as they want to pray, that the next election coming forth, you know, we will go smoothly, let us pray. Let's invoke the power of God. The, the man who gave the prayer point, next thing out of his mouth is, the guy beside him is, oh, 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 oh. 
And you come to church like that regularly for six months prayer meeting, you've learned nothing. Brethren, it is not right. I've told us when I want to pray in, you know, together. Let us speak in such a manner that we can understand. Let the person leading pray and tell us words that we are supposed to use. And one major reason, I'm going to emphasize something to us here. We thought that the Holy Spirit, all he did was to give tongues. No. More, more, listen to what I want to say. It's very important. More important than tongues, the Holy Spirit gives understanding. More important than groaning, the Holy Spirit gives wisdom. You will see, filled with the Spirit, Peter came to pray. He gave us four steps in prayer. Worship, thanksgiving, that's one. Then the promises of God. Then your request, then you end with thanksgiving. We learn from him one simple prayer, how to pray. If all Jesus did was groan all his life, how would we learn how to pray? They came to him, what do we say? Say, our father. He didn't say, say, go, <laughs> Say, our father, who art in heaven. Hallowed, he told us words. Take with you words, he said. Please, I'm explaining something to us here. That when he said, this, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. What was the Lord saying? I will pour the Holy Spirit upon you. You will speak in other tongues. One. Two. Your young men will do what? prophesy. When you prophesy, you speak in words we can't understand. And you cannot give those prophetic words except the testimony of Jesus is in your heart. So to fulfill his word, he didn't just come with pouring out a tongue-speaking spirit. He said, I will pour out a spirit of knowledge, a spirit of understanding. I will give them pastors after my heart who will feed them with knowledge and with understanding. So what do we need to do? We need to give them scriptures. Where are the scriptures now? He says, sir, scrolls, different volumes of scrolls. I don't know the exact number, but if you take our 66 books of the Bible, Psalms alone is five scrolls. Samuel is one. Ezra and Nehemiah, one. But basically, you have over 60 scrolls that they have to carry. Say so they can't carry it like that. First, you will spread literacy. It's a fulfillment of the scripture. So everywhere the missionaries went, check it. They taught people how to read and write. Had an auntie passed on last year. She was, um, I, I, I think she was 87. Passed on last year. She gave her life to Christ after my cousin died in a terrible accident when I was in university. That was about 30 something years ago. So she was 50 something. When she gave her life to Christ, I began to go to a, a gospel, a, a gospel church. One of these, I think, God to Faith Mission or Apostle, one of those churches, alright? I think it was, yeah, I think it was government. You know the first thing they did for her? She wasn't literate. They taught her to read. You came to church? The gospel faith people? I told what we do this is, I don't know how we're doing it. The first thing they did to this woman, she was now 50. She's my mom's elder sister. She didn't go to school. You understand? So she used to trade and all of that. When she gave her life to Christ, the first thing the gospel people did was teach her to read. I came home. She was reading the Bible she had never read all my life. They taught her to read. They, they have adult class. You don't come to their church, you can't read the Bible. They don't understand it. Now you have Pentecostals who have Bibles. They don't read it. All they can do is so sit. <laughs> my father said, 
Our papa said, the glory upon this church. I told you I was on the flight. Two girls were there praying. So that my plane wouldn't crash. Because when a terrible storm, and they were standing in the shoes of an angel. Standing in the shoes of uh, a man. I said, oh foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? This is how you pray? They were commanding. I said, you are not at peace. How can you command peace? I didn't have an idea of the plane could crash because one, rains fall every year in Nigeria. I don't hear of plane crashes. Nigeria has one of the highest safety. You know, the safety rating in the world uh, for, for aircrafts in Nigeria, and uh, aviation in the world, we have the top. The same one they have in Europe, have in America. That's what we have. Ever since the days that so this dropped one plane at the other here, look, Nigeria put the foot down. The airlines complained. They said, lie, lie. You go for your seat check, D check. They check you regularly. That's our commercial place. You don't hear of them crashing. We thank God for that. So I was on that plane. Two beautiful pilots, a beautiful plane. We entered the stop. The guy said, we are going to worry to go and wait. Now, yeah. Our father. I stand in the shoes of our Joshua Selman. I said, that is the only thing you can see apart from tongues. I was not disturbed until they say, hey, this plane will not crash. Then it dawned on me that, hey, planes actually crash. I was absolutely at peace. I was willing to sleep out. I looked, I couldn't see anything. You know, it was terrible. I couldn't see anything. So the pilot said, it's going to, it's that it's in Enugu. When Enugu, you know, circling and circling for like 20 minutes. After a while, the guy said, no, 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 that. Before I finish all this, well, circling. Let him go and pack in a way, which is not too far away. We wait for Enugu storm to come down. Now my two sisters started to pray. Where I'm going is that they were the one that brought the idea of crash to my mind. I never thought about crashing. Why? They have no knowledge. They have no understanding. They know no scriptures. They can read and write. It's useless. When we were young believers, I talk about love at first. God bless Kenneth Higgin in his days. I read every single book he wrote. Every single book. There was no book he wrote I did not read. Apart from the daily devotionals, which are just taken from the book and formed into lessons. Every single book he wrote. Wrote, we read. Those of you going to Bible school now, we went to that Bible school without being in the former class. We read all the books. Our brethren will come to fellowship to come and preach. And you know the book they are quoting from? They want to pray. You know the tape they had the tongues in? I, 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 I ain't kidding, man. I'm telling you what I'm telling you. I said, that was Calf Meeting 88. This tongue is in Calf Meeting 88. This isn't a joke. You don't know where I came from. I have a lot of funny brethren. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. What's the point I'm making? God said, I'm not pouring my spirit for people can speak in tongues and walk miracles and have empty heads. Empty hearts, not full of the word. I will pour my spirit on all flesh. I will fill them with knowledge. I will fill them with understanding. I will fill them. So for me to do that, they can't carry these screws up and down. Let's make it portable. First, they changed the order of the world. Who was dominant? Paper was invented. They began to write in smaller scripts. Said, so I want this world produced in volumes. Then listen to this. He released the spirit so that the Gutenberg press was invented. The purpose was for preaching the gospel. 
Then he kept on increasing it. A time came, the best-selling book in the world was the NIV, not just the Bible, the NIV. Now, when they tell you the Bible is the best-selling, they don't mean every Bible. They pick a version. There was a time it was King James. There was a time it was Revised Standard. No, if they lump all the Bibles together, they outsell every, that is, the best-selling, they will say the NIV is the best-selling book in the world. They didn't count New American Standard. They didn't count King James. They didn't count um, Revised Standard. They didn't count all the other versions. They just said NIV, alone. We outsell every other book in the world. I know what God said. It is not enough yet. After all, people like Banky, they want to have many versions of the Bible. How do we carry it now? Those that remember, I'm sure the gift they used to give pastors those days is a burden. That book that will have four translations in one. Then you still have to carry your Strong's Annotated Reference Bible. No, no Diggs, sorry. Diggs Annotated Reference Bible. Then you need to carry your Strong's Concordance. Fat book. The name of the Concordance is Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. Emphasis. Exhaustive. And it is not even as exhaustive in concording as Crudence. Crudence we Crudence. Crudence concordance could only be outdone by a computer. Yes. Crudence will pick the word salvation. He knows that the entries on salvation is too many. Or are too many. He said, alright, so what do I do? We say salvation journey with Lord. Salvation journey with faith. I think I still have a, a dusty old one. I bought an abridged version of the Crudence concordance and it's still fat. Because this is a lot of work. So when brethren want to travel for retreat, their luggage, their luggage alone, excess luggage, because all these books are in there, they never put their other books, never put all the other, uh uh-uh, God said, no, what do I do? Next, I want all those things, let's summarize, digitized. When phones first started, boys were making money, moving Bible from phone to phone. God said, not enough, I want Bibles at a click of a button in every corner of the world. Whether it's Saudi Arabia or China makes no difference. So he made a man rich who was doing business. His name is David Green. He said, what's the purpose of your life? Not all this setting of artifacts and all of that. I wanted to make the Bible available to billions of people at the click of a button. So that right now, even the Saudis have given up. They can't block anybody from having the Bible. I won't be surprised. If Muhammad bin Salman at night covers his head to read his Bible from his phone. And every time you download the Bible, David Green is bearing the expenses. The billions of dollars that God gave the family. He said, this is my money. Use it to make my word available to everybody on the planet. I don't see the Antichrist out there. I see my Christ first. Antichrist is a tag along after an afterthought. Who Listen to me, because once God has released something, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When the people become apostates, the Antichrist latches onto that. When the people of God become apostates, that's when the Antichrist now latches upon it. The internet right now, it was given, that's why I told all these stories, it was given so that the people of God, right now, many people from who are not even close by here are watching us live on YouTube, on Facebook, on different platforms. And all the messages we preached until last week, they are already on our website. 
Every single one. Every single one. It's only the one who preached this in the last seven days that are not there yet. If you subscribe on podcast, it has dropped into your phone. That is what the Lord is doing. Filling the earth with the knowledge of God as the water covers the sea. I don't see the Antichrist there. It's my Christ that is walking. It is Christ that is walking. It is Christ that is walking. He's ahead of every Antichrist. He's ahead. He's ahead of every Antichrist. There's no need to be afraid of any Antichrist. There is absolutely no need if our faith will be kept intact. That's what I hope to preach today. But I've spoken at length, haven't I? I think I have. I think I have. So the message for today, we'll start it briefly so that I will remember. Then we'll go home. Then we'll come back quickly next time and preach it. The Lord is good. What I wanted to preach? The genuineness of faith. That was the plan. But I ended up explaining the fact that, listen, many times we behave like we don't believe. And the reason why we behave like that is this, simply because we don't have fundamental understanding. Let me just say something quickly. I think that will help me. I wanted to explain that briefly. I'm going to my message. I took the whole time. What we call faith, hmm? I found out many of us misunderstand what faith is. What is faith? Some Bibles will tell you Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. They will render it as faith is, is um, they say, what they use now, is the assurance that we know that what we, are, we want is, has been given to us. That's not what faith is. They are misreading the real translation. The literal translation of faith is a faith. In fact, I read some versions. Literally, say faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's literal. Now, the word substance, hypostasis, was difficult to translate for a long time because that was the only time it was used in the New Testament. And it was difficult to find. The word was a very rare word until finally they found a letter written by somebody who was contending for a particular piece of property, wrote, wrote to the judge. And in it, she explained, I think it was a woman, made her claims and said, I have attached my hypostasis. I've attached my substance. So people now said, what she attached was a title deed. So some Bibles now say, faith is a title deed. Again, that's not correct because that was an application of a word. Basically, he said, I've attached my proof. I hope you're getting my point. I've said it here many times. That's not what faith, that's what faith does. Real faith doesn't mean I have asked God for something and he must give me. That's not what faith is. So you want to know what that is? Stubbornness. What did I call it? Stubbornness. It's stubbornness. That is what that one is. That I've asked God for something, he must do it. I confess that I have a new BMW. That's not faith. That's desire and stubbornness. I found out that Faith is based on the knowledge, I've said it before, of two things. One, the character of God. And two, that was very important, the character of God. Let me stop it there. Because the knowledge of his character is what makes his promises. Do you get my point? Worth anything. Faith is knowing the character of God. Now, some translations now use this expression, which I want to quickly read out for us. It's beautiful. Now, when that faith is in our hearts, if you use the contemporary English version, it says, faith makes us sure of what we hope for. Did you, did you notice that? The knowledge of who God is and his character makes us certain 
that if he tells us to wait for something, it will come to pass. So when you read Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, he's telling you what faith does. From the free Bible version, it says, Now our trust in God is a guarantee of what we hope for. God's word translation says, Faith assures us. So when you see the word is in the Greek, oftentimes this is how it is used. So what really is faith? It's what I've been trying to define. So don't go to prayer and say, I've asked God for this, and I'm sure he will do it. And you start writing it on the wall. That's not what faith is. True faith is understanding the character of God. Let me give an example. Let's use that BMW, just using something as an example. I've asked God for a BMW, but I know his character. He can overrule my desire if he decides it is not good for me. It's not unbelief, brethren. It is faith. Because he made no specific promise anywhere about BMWs. I can go ask him for it. Not a problem. But I also understand his character. He can overrule. Why? He's my father. My children can ask for things and I say it's not good for you. That's faith. But assuming my son is going to, he's supposed to pay for something in school. And he'll go ahead, I'll send the money when I get there. When, by the time you get there, you'll see the money. How much is the money? 20,000 naira. Okay. And I said, okay, don't worry, when you get there, you'll find the money. And he leaves the house. And he goes confidently. He's supposed to go and make payment for something, maybe in University of Nigeria, Nugu campus. And he leaves the house and he goes confidently. So his friend said, you have your money there? He said, no. What will he say? Huh? I'm going for someone to use the right word. What will he tell his friend? They are going. My, my father will send it. He won't go into discussion like, I believe my father, I trust him. You know, my father, you know, he's not, you know, do you remember? He's not, the, you have your cash there? No, my father will send it. Just send it. You know, it's like, it's a given. It's not discussed. My father will send it. So when he gets there, he brings us his card to pay. Insufficient balance. What does he do? Picks the phone. Daddy, you haven't sent it. You see what they call faith? It's not, ha, I'm heading there right now. Ha, oh, ha, uh, daddy, ha, he's going to send. No, it's just, I prophesy that he will send. Ah, he has brought, no. It's just a matter of fact. Two things. One, I know him too. 20K, he can afford it. He can afford it. He can afford it. That's what faith is. You understand the character and the ability of the person you are dealing with. I'm going to say something here. Don't think faith means that once I get there, I don't change my mind. No. For example, if I ask God for that, come, tell me about I have understood, and in all honesty, almost every time in the last 20 years, the cars I've wanted is not what he gave. Yeah. The one I gave as an example, when I bought the the Kia Optima I was using then. I was trying to buy a used car, imported. And God said, no, go get a brand new one. I, I didn't, it wasn't prayer. Hey, and then, my car was giving me issues. I, one brother was just driving behind me said, no, my company can help you buy a car. Interest rate is very low. They are cooperative. I said, eh. He said, the only problem is this. I didn't have money, all right? He said, the only problem is I only buy brand new cars. So our car has to be brand new. We can't, we don't invest in used cars. 
Ah. Tori Kini. Now, in a one driver. So, no, that's how we do now. That uh, the car has to be. So, I was compelled to accept my car brand new. Because I could not afford the used one. Is it not funny? <laughs> you want to know the difference? The used one, I had to pay cash. The brand new one, it was financed. They just came and said, pay a percentage of it. I did. They gave me the, brand, the car brand new. Take. Then pay us gradually over the next few months. I did not. I just, up to that point in time, I thought brand new cars were out of reach. That I couldn't touch it. So you are dealing with a father who thinks. Who happens to think better than you do? Who knows his ability that you are confused concerning? Who knows the plan he has for your tomorrow, which you don't understand? Who knows the things you need and the things you don't need? And so many of the things you need, you say you don't need it. And if I were to give it to you now, by next week, you don't like it anymore. So relax. That is what faith is. What we need is to ensure that our faith is actually genuine. Because it's a technology by which you bring the will of God into reality in our lives. I'll stop it here. I just said these last few things so that I'll remember that this is what I wanted to teach. And I hope that the Lord will allow us to teach it next time. Come back down our heads and give the Lord thanks for the word we have heard today.